Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Damned United podcast. I'm Bill Lumsden. And I am Adam Jameson. And there have been some cracking number 24s in the history of Leeds United, let me tell you. Heidi Sacco, the most recent one alongside Leif Davis, adds. But we've also got Rui Marquez, Neil Collins, Sanchez Watt, Lubomir Mikulik, Jamie Clappen, Paul Connolly, all the greats have worn and donned the number 24 shirt. I also used to wear the number 24 shirt <laughs> for Rothwell Juniors, so you add another name to that list. <laughs> you probably didn't top that list, to be honest, mate. <laughs> How have you been? All good? Not too bad, not too bad. Happy after the win on the weekend. Hey, best of both worlds for you. Nice game at Ellen Road. The Santa run as well, I heard and saw. Yes. I had uh, I was in the pub with the iPad in a corner watching the <laughs> Leeds game. So, yeah, fantastic. All good, all good. Where do you want to start on the game? 3-2, seventh win in a row at home. Really, really good home run uh, that we're on at the minute, which is really, really pleasing to see. Overall performance, happy with it? Yeah, I thought we deserved to win the game. Obviously disappointing to go down 1-0 so early on, like we did. You know, it was kind of a repeat of the Swansea game. But then, yeah, overall, I felt we, we deserved to win the game. We, we missed a good few chances as well. It, it wasn't like the, the three goals we scored were, were all we had. We, we had a good few chances on top of that as well. Um, but no, I thought, again, just similar performance. Very good going forward. Looked a little bit fragile at the back. I think that's the worrying aspect for me at the minute. It just... It, it looked as though... Borough were threatening every time they went forward, pretty yeah. much. And I think even at 3-2, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but Joe Rodon made that unbelievable block in that passage of play that Borough could have scored probably two or three times from, let's be honest. And that was just in and around the 74th, 75th minute, 3-2 up with you know an extra man. So, yeah, it was... It's perhaps not as kind of assured and again, going back to that game management element, I, I still don't think we've got that up our sleeve um, and that bit of kind of, you know, just steal and now to, to really just pull away from a team or alternatively see a game out in comfortable fashion. Uh-huh. I, I guess as a fan, you never really are comfortable when you're only a goal up, but the players can certainly project that onto you depending on how they play and, you know, not just within that last... 25 minutes again over the the overall 90 minutes you know it was too easy Archie Gray had a great game don't get me wrong but turned too easily for the first goal and you know similarly with the second it's just a free well not a free header but too easy to win that header from the corner and back in the game so I'd be slightly disappointed from a Daniel Fark perspective I think in terms of the goals that we're conceding at the minute but it doesn't really matter when you're scoring three or more every game no. Now the seventh time this season that we've scored three or more, which for a team like us is, is unheard of. You know, I can't remember the last time we, you know, we, we we go back to the Chelsea game, but games before that where we actually scored three goals and you'd have to search far and wide for it. So 
pretty happy, to be fair. Yeah, it's it's all well and good, like you say, when 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 you're scoring three goals, but that that's not going to last forever, and you can't do that in every game. And obviously, we'll come on to Saturday's game uh, later on, but yeah, it it's not it's not going to last forever scoring three goals per game, and we we do need to tighten up at the back. I, I don't know if you want to touch on touch on Melier. Here we go. Go on. Have you got a stat Wait. for me? Um, I have. Well, I can get the stat up. I can get the stat up. Um, but I just think before I, I do, is it, I just felt I, I felt <laughs> that the first goal. I mean, I don't think we touched on it with, with the Swansea game, but you know, he was massively out of position for the first goal against Swansea, and he'd been beaten at his near post three minutes into the game on Saturday and I couldn't I couldn't I've watched the highlights again and I couldn't really get a, a good enough angle to to really make a judgment on whether whether he should have done better with their first goal on Saturday. But my gut feeling was he's been beaten at the front post and I don't know, I, I just feel that he could be doing more for us. I really do feel he could be doing more for us. He's starting to sound like Gary Neville. I think you've got a point, to be honest. He's come from a long way and he's perhaps not expecting the ball to be flashed back across goal. It's almost a bit of a reverse strike, isn't it? Which is quite smart. And it is he's a, a good goalkeeper. He's a goalkeeper. Do your job. Do your job, Gary. <laughs> yeah, he should probably have been doing better. But the stat, I believe was in and around the 62% mark for his... Yes, uh, I've got it up. ...save percentage. Go on, here's with it. So, Melier has, has a save percentage of 62.7% this season. That's the fourth bottom in the Premier in the Championship. The defence is fourth top in the Championship with the next year against only conceded 1.05 goals per 90 minutes and six clean sheets, which is tied second in the league. That's from uh, GJ... Stouty more on X. <laughs> Great shot there. And yeah, to be honest, mate, you've got to be got to be looking at him. You know, again, I silenced you temporarily after his decent performance and clean sheet against Leicester, having stayed focused. But perhaps, yeah, he does need a bit more light put on him given you know, have a couple of recent performances and certainly that stat as well. It certainly seems like he's underperforming based upon the stands that we've seen from him in his time with us at the moment. So, yeah, not to say that he can't get back up to his levels, but certainly maybe underperforming at the minute then if we come to that yeah. agreement. And I, I read a little bit where people were kind of giving a counter argument to that and saying, well, it's it's not all about the stats and everyone can tell that he's made an improvement on last year and he has been playing well, and I'm I'm not saying he's been playing terribly. I just think he could be doing a bit more. He could be doing a bit more, and, and if he did a bit more, we'd be in, in, in an even stronger position, and I think we'd be yeah. even more dominant in games. Yeah. No, it's fair to say. I agree with that. I agree with that. How about Dan James rising like a salmon? Yeah. Two headers from Dan James and, and, and Somerville, it's not what you'd expect, is it? No, <laughs> not all. But, yeah, very pleased. And, again, Byram, I'm sure, will come on to in the next 
sequence, but brilliant piece of play down the left. And, you know, he just flashed the ball across with his left foot, albeit took a looping deflection, but it's amazing what can happen when you use your left foot. But, again, brilliant from him. Dan James, brilliant header. Six goals, four assists for the season. I tell you what, I'm not far off. Just got to keep banging the drum. Really, really happy to see contributions all across the front, well, the front four, really. You know, Somerville scores. Again, Perot gets his eight for the season from the spot. That's how you take a penalty, Bamford. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very, very happy. You know, again, we've touched on it so many times, but just the goal contributions and the amount that's coming from that front four is frightening. It's probably the best strike force or front four, in inverted commas, across the whole league. So, you know, if they can keep doing that, then, yeah. Not to say that, you know, the defence will get better, but, you know, we'd like to think that it should. And if we can tighten that up, then it'll certainly make it much easier to win games and win them comfortably as well, certainly with, with the front four going at the rate that it is at the minute. For sure. And I felt... I felt Dan James, after that ridiculous chip that he tried, that probably spurred his jump on when the ball came in from the deflected cross. So, yeah, it was good. And and likewise, Somerville did really well to, to get up and win his header. And, yeah, he must have been, if you're a Borough fan, he must have been thinking, what's going on? We've got two, two of the smallest men on the pitch scoring, <laughs> scoring headers against us. <laughs> And another fast start by both teams as well. Swansea won all after five minutes with the James disallowed goal and the second Borough 2 one up after seven minutes as well. So we're not used to these fast starts as well. So yeah, long may them continue. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was Borough. Just on Sam Byram. I believe you've got a stat for us as well. Yes. I can't think where I've seen this stat. Obviously on X. But I can't think who it was from. But uh, Sam Byram has made 11 starts this season and we've won all of them. Is that the stat? It is the stat. Pretty yeah. resounding. Yeah. And um, starts, 11 wins while he's been on the pitch. Unbelievable, really, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, you know, Sam Byram has been a, a brilliant, brilliant transfer signing for us this season. And really glad and, and happy to see him back and, and hopefully finishing off some some business that he didn't manage to get done the first time he was here. Yeah, you'd like to think, mate. You would like to think. But playing like that, I don't think he'll be uh, pushed out of the side anytime soon, that's for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, it certainly seems as though, fuck, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, absolutely loves him. Really, really happy that he's managed to capture his signing. And, yeah, I think from that starting 11 as well, you know, I can't remember the last time we've been fielding, you know, the same 11 so many times, but certainly the back-to-back for those that same starting 11, it certainly seems like that is pretty much where Fark's at in his head, I think. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Spence is he's banging at the door, so I think you could probably say that 11 or 12, depending on Archie Gray, Camera, one of those will come out, I imagine. But... Yeah, it's really, really positive to see that, because again, I don't think we've had that for years, obviously. Fixed starting 11, no injuries, and uh, a strong starting 11 as well that a manager can depend on. So, really, really happy with, with how that's unfolded, I think, at the minute as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
talking about Jorginho, could he could he have had a couple of extra goals on Saturday afternoon? I certainly felt he could have done. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think uh, it's it's a funny one with Rutter because <clears throat> it feels like he's he's massively affecting the game. I think three goals, five assists this season as well, but. You know, he could have had so many more with the chances that he's created. And I think he could have had a few more goals as well. And I think he'll probably be his biggest critic in that, you know, he'll want to keep adding to his goal tally and his assist tally this season as well. Because, you know, let's be honest, the, the three in and around him are, are skirting away from him at the minute. But again, I think that it overshadows, I think, when, especially when you've won the game 3 2, and the fact that, you know, albeit he could have had a couple more goals. His performance levels are there, which I think is the most important thing. If he wasn't performing yeah. and could have scored, I think there'd be more scrutiny on him. But the way that he's playing at the minute, I think you know he's he's, he's bringing with confidence as well. Let's not forget. So that's a positive thing at the end of the day, and hopefully the goals will will continue to come, or hopefully they'll begin to come more frequently for him as well, playing in that number nine spot. Yeah, maybe he's been doing shooting practice with Paddy B. <laughs> Very possible. Or, or should I say, Slim Shady? <laughs> Slim Shady, yeah. Where on earth has that hairstyle come from? He's gone full what Allardyce, hasn't he? He's, he's on full Allardyce. He's just trying to get us talking about anything other than the football. <laughs> to be honest, it worked on it worked on Saturday. I think everyone was in shock, especially when they started coming through the WhatsApps as well. Um, yeah. I, think, what thinking. I think a lot of people were thinking... As well from afar, is he is he blonde? Is he bald? Oh, I can't really tell. <laughs> I think I heard that the South Stand was singing. If Paddy scores, I'll dye my hair. Oh, God. Or if Bamford scores, I'll dye my hair. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think there was any chance of that to be honest. So I think they were pretty safe. It was a pretty hey, safe. Yeah, good. He had a good header. He had a good header that was um, saved from a corner. So maybe maybe that's what he needs. He just needs to, you know, reimagine himself. Hopefully, I hope I hope so. Anyway, because again, as we near January, it's going to have to be a case of sticking all twists with with Paddy, as we've said, especially with that cover up striker. So hopefully, can find a bit of feet. As we keep saying from the bench, just needs a goal. I think just needs a goal. Moving on swiftly then, before we have a look at Saturday's trip to Blackburn, best free transfer at Leeds. There's a few that is on the line here. Patrick Kisnarvo is one that's been on a few people's lips and tongue, should I say. So Paddy, you know, again, I think it was an athletic article as well back in 2020 that, you know, had asked who is Leeds' best free transfer and he actually received 59.2% of the vote. Neil Sullivan racked up 9.4%. David Sommer was a short one. Rob Green in there with 16.3%. And Richard Naylor with 10.4% as well. So you've got a right mix of players in there. We've obviously got Pablo, which again... Our sources tell us on Transfermarkt that it was a free transfer. Strange how this article was in 2020 and, and Pablo wasn't in there. So, again, the jury's out of it. 
aren't they, in terms of was Pablo a free transfer or was he not? I think a lot of people are under the impression that he was. So, I mean, with that in mind, you'd probably have to put him as number one, wouldn't you? Absolutely. If if we're classing Pablo as a free transfer, then it's a it's an it's an you know no brainer. But we were just saying off air, weren't we, that it was under Chilino when we signed Pablo, so we could have paid anything for him. It could have been you know a thousand chickens and five hundred cattle or something like that at, at Chilino. <laughs> went over to the Middle East with him, brought back Pablo Hernandez. Uh, there's probably a song in that somewhere. Um, so yeah, if it, if if we're costing Pablo as a free transfer, then for me definitely. But there's some crackers in there. Richard Naylor, I think, is an interesting one. <laughs> Certainly more for his his leadership ability, I think, than <laughs> his footballing qualities. Rob Green, uh, Rob Green, I thought was brilliant at Leeds. Rob Rob Green was brilliant, and again. Yeah. Speaking of Jaris, they were certainly out on Rob Green during his yeah. early time at Leeds, but he, I think he quickly silenced the critics. He was a very, very shrewd signing. And that season under Monk, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he was. And yeah, it was, it was a bit of a weird one when we first signed him, but yeah, he, he was fantastic. He won us so many points that season. Um, David Sommer? I loved Sommer. What a throwback. I absolutely loved Sommer. I just, it was just a shame he got injured. Yeah, he's exactly what we need now. Just someone who can just come on and score when you need it. We, we don't yeah. need a, you know, we've got our, we've got our system set up with Jorginho and Perot. We just need someone who we can rely on to bring off the bench and get us a goal when we need it. And he yeah. was, he was the perfect answer in those situations. Yeah. He was he was a very very good player. It was a shame around his injury, to be honest. Um, yeah, good finisher, very good finisher, very good fin- clinical. Some would say. Um, yeah. So yeah, okay, that's fine. I think we're in agreement. Then Pablo takes top spot. Paddy Kisnarbo. Kisnarbo, yeah, Kisnarbo isn't. You know, I think again in that 2009-2010 season, absolutely class. Bit of a stalwart for us. Played in some very, very significant games for us as well. Let's not forget. So I think, you know, it's fair to say that during those early years, or certainly for us, supporting Leeds, I think he's, he'd probably have to be up there. I'm not sure in terms of when you look at those things on Twitter and it's like, you know, overall time at the club and impact at the club, you'd certainly say that Kisnarbo ranks very very highly on both yeah very very highly whereas I think the only way I'd give it to Hernandez is the fact that his time at the club is so much shorter but the impact he had and the love he made us feel for both him and the club is uh, is pretty unmatched I think and unrivaled certainly uh, with that championship winning season that we all absolutely loved so you know you'd have to look at Maybe class it as Kisnarbo laid the building blocks and Pablo finished it off with some lovely little touches. You could say yeah. both of them. Yeah, Kisnarbo was... A funny story about Kisnarbo, I met him once. Um, did he have a family? It <laughs> didn't, thankfully. Um, he was just... I just went football training and he was 
running a session for the age group below us. Just, nice. just just randomly, and this was after I think this was after he'd finished at Leeds. So, um, yeah, don't know how his knees are. <laughs> I think last time I heard, I certainly saw him on TV was when he was coaching in Australia, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, he's an Australian football manager. Um. And he is managing currently. Have a look. Typing in as we speak. Is Tom Tom use uses paddock his normal as like a as like a level of injury now? If anyone gets injured, he's like, oh, he's he's, he's got knees like paddock his normal. <laughs> so interestingly, he was at Melbourne City from the twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. To 22-23 and he was actually appointed manager of Troyes just a year ago um, and he was in charge there until November 26th 2023, 40 matches in charge 0.58 points per match as well so oh dear. A, bit of nostalgia for, a bit of nostalgia a bit of trivia for you, not the greatest but you know he's making his way across the border so he might soon find himself <laughs> in England. And who knows, coaching the championship maybe as well. So we will see. Speaking of manager, actually, nice segue <clears throat> for you. Swansea released Michael Duff. I think, you know, we touched on last time up to our game. I think they would only won one in six. And they were dropping down the table. I don't think alarmingly, to be honest. Swansea fans might be able to correct me on that. But obviously we beat them and I think they drew with Hull but he's been released and I think they might have lost the weekend anyway so he's been let go and I think Tony Mowbray is on his way if not already gone yeah he's gone they must have someone lined up surely yeah it's that, it feels like this year it's been a bit more chilled out with the with the sackings but it, it feels like it is upon us now the sack season Uh so yeah, you'd imagine that Sunderland must have someone lined up because it seems a bit of a daft move in December if you've not got someone lined up. If, you know, because if you miss if you miss three weeks of December without a coach, then you know that's a, a huge number of games in December. So. It is, and December is probably one of the most important periods of the season, I think, for teams just because of the magnitude of games, and certainly kind of you know you come out of December unscathed. And you could be in a really nice spot within the league, but you look at Sunderland this season, you know, and I think they've got beat off Huddersfield, they drew with with Millwall. So their form isn't brilliant at the minute, but they have only lost two from the last six. So again, it, it's slightly worrying that they had lost three on the spin before that, so you could say they're quite quite inconsistent. But again, the table it, it, it just strikes of getting Mowbray out and getting someone in with fresh ideas or certainly a plan to, to almost take them to that, that next step. Not that they need it as well, by the way, because the first season they came up, they got the playoffs last season, you know, and they're ninth, three points off the playoffs currently. So, again, a bit similar to that Millwall, you know, don't get me wrong, Sunderland are a much bigger club than the Millwall and obviously being in the Premier League for, for many a year previously. But, 
what what are they expecting to an extent as well? They've got Luke on nine and some pretty fodder like players in their side at the minute, which never which won't change unless you go into the market and you buy a couple of decent players. Joe Bellingham's all right, Jack Clark's having blinder of a season for him. But what are they actually expecting? The three points off the playoffs in a great position coming into a busy December period. I, I just don't I don't necessarily think it's the right right move to be honest. But again, these decisions always baffle me. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, it's a bit of a confusing one because, like you say, three points off the playoffs. You look at the teams in the playoffs, the amount of money they've spent, or or the kind of the value of the squads. When you look at kind of us, Leicester, Southampton, obviously Ipswich came up last season, but have been been flying. You look at West Brom. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they expect. So it's an interesting one. Hopefully, they don't get a new manager bounce with us heading there next week, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right, doesn't it? We'll it do it for Tony Mowbray. <laughs> Tony Mowbray, yeah. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, that's free transfer talk. Bit on managers. And next up, we have Blackburn away, 6,800 leads going up there. On Saturday, it's always a nice atmosphere when we go to Blackburn. Brilliant allocation. Nice to take so many fans, as we always do, given the opportunity. Me and you both in attendance, ads, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Just screams of championship heritage, doesn't it? Blackburn (laughs) away on a cold Saturday in December. (laughs) Nearly 7,000 Leeds fans. And yeah, hopefully... Hopefully we can get a, a good result. A bit of a mixed a mixed hunting ground for us. Yeah. They're, a, they're an interesting side as well, Blackburn, because we've just, just mentioned Sunderland. Blackburn are point ahead of them on seventh place at the minute. So, you know, above their rivals, well, on goal difference, Preston. And, you know, they've looked all right this season, to be honest. I think the big thing for me is, is keeping Samish Modix quiet. So Blackburn, for example, they have won six of the last nine games in the league. So decent form. You can see why they're up there. But yes, Samish Modix, 14 goals this season, leading the top goal scoring chart by two, two, two assists as well. So again, he's someone that we're going to have to keep quiet. He plays in or around that number 10 position. Um, and, you know, he's had a lot of joy this season already. As you can see, 14 goals in 19 games. Pretty, pretty lethal. The interesting thing for me is that you have to go quite a way down to find Harry Leonard and Sigurdsson for Blackburn, who are the next top goal scorer for them, both on three goals apiece. So I think, you know, while it's interesting, you perhaps would say that maybe one of the only reasons why Blackburn aren't higher in the table, they've got a very decent attacking player that's scoring a lot of goals, but in terms of a support level, he certainly doesn't have the likes of Rutter and and uh, James and Somerville and Perot, you know, in or around him that can really support him and, and take some of that that workload off him, I guess, in terms of the goals that he's scoring. So it'd be interesting to see how we almost manage him at the weekend. It certainly seems like a job for Ampadu and Kamara, which hopefully should be a good battle in there. Rudd and Strike just behind. So 
yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see how that unfolds on, on Saturday, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I think if we can keep Schmodic quiet, then we've got a very good chance of winning the game. But, you know, they're a bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, they seem to score quite a bit, but then um, have some strange results. Obviously, got beat, got beat at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday on at the weekend, which you know they don't, Sheffield Wednesday don't, don't do to many teams, do they? Um, <laughs> so, so it's yeah, a weird one with Blackburn. I think typical kind of in and around mid-table, fighting for playoffs. Inc- you know, they've got the quality, but they've not got the consistency. Yeah, uh, I think I think so, to be honest. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they did end up in and around that, that position, as you say, because you look at some of the losses this season. So, for example, they have they've lost. Chef Wednesday, Swan- Swansea. They their only win recently. They've lost they've lost nine games of the nineteen. Strangely. But yeah, they don't, again, they don't draw they don't draw many games, do they? No. <laughs> won this season. So they've yeah, they've won won nine, lost nine. But you look at some of these losses, Hull that are in the playoffs, Plymouth away when they started well, Sunderland, Ipswich, Leicester, Coventry away, and then obviously as you say there. Swansea and Chef Wed, Preston as well, obviously the local derby. So you look at some of those and you think, yeah, fair enough, I can see those are big teams and they're in around the playoffs and some there that are quite inconsistent as well. But, you know, again, similar, a Blackburn style podcaster looking at Leeds will probably say the same thing because we've dropped, again, some silly points this season. So, you know, you look at that and I don't think that's a million miles away, to be honest, if they can sort out a, a bit of a support act for. For Schmodics, I don't think they'll be uh, they'll be sniffing certainly in around that sixth and fifth spot. I reckon. Yeah, and I think those fifth and sixth spots are, are well up for grabs in the in the in the league. I think I'd be really surprised if the top four isn't what it is currently in in Ipswich, Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton. Fully yeah. expect kind of those four to 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 be in the playoffs. So I think, or, or obviously automatics, but yeah, I think there's still a couple of Couple of playoff spots up for grabs, and I think it'll be, be an interesting end to the season, really, because I think West Brom might the way they're playing at the minute as well. I was a bit gutted watching the end of that West Brom Leicester game that they didn't come away with with a point, given they'd scored so late on. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, yeah, us four and certainly West Brom in that. But the, the, the sixth again is is probably one of the most. Stranger positions in playoffs because it's usually the wild card that ends up having an absolute blind in the playoffs. But that could be anyone from, again, as we've, we've mentioned so many times and love about the championship, about 10 teams that could get into that spot. Obviously, Cardiff were doing okay. Hull, you know, you've got your Blackburn, Preston, Sunderland. So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see who grabs that in the end. So, yeah, yeah and on to us. Expecting the same team again. We've nailed it the last couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think why. I can't think of any reason why you change it. Uh, I, I'd, I think, I think we mentioned last week. Spence will get minutes in in December, but I, I don't think he'll just chuck him in to start a game like this. 
And that's the thing as well. We've got to look at the, the lead in between the games as well. And that's a weak period, isn't it? So I think certainly while we've got that, I think he'll keep the team the way it is. The long layoff, for, certainly for the players that have they've played a lot this season, will certainly be helping. Sunderland might be the tricky one that we might have to decipher this time next week. So, yeah, I, I would probably say the same team. And again, third game in a row, I'd love to see a stat on on when that is and you know we'll we'll offer the chance to for you guys listening to have you say on that as well because I can't remember for the life of me the last time we we saw a Leeds team the same Leeds 11 start three times consecutively so if you if you do know the answer to that please get in touch be very very interested to hear yeah unless unless there are injuries and we'll find out later on in the week from Farrakh's press conference but unless there are injuries I can't imagine why We'd need to change anything. I think it's a case of, you know, go out there and do the same again. But Melier, try and make some saves this time. <laughs> yeah. Had to get the dig in. You just had to get the dig in. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's been Blackburn as well. And I think it'll be, it'll be exciting to see. Excited to get on the train and, and meet up with you, Ads. For half twelve kickoff on Saturday, fingers crossed it's three points. Both of us quite reluctant in our one-one and two-two draws, respectively, for Middlesbrough. Again, you weren't a million miles away if you want to claim that. Uh, <laughs> however, the points are still at a standstill, and I've still got a six-point lead. So you need to start clawing some ground back soon enough. Yeah, I've been I've been a goal off in those last two games. I went. Two uh, one against Swansea and two two against Middlesbrough. So we've been we've been slightly better than I was expecting in both games. So maybe I need to bear that, that in mind with this score that, prediction. I was just going to say, does that play in, does that play a part in in this score prediction? I think it might actually. I think we'd do a clean sheet. Um, I know it doesn't look like we're capable of getting one at the moment, but we are due a clean sheet, and everything we've just discussed about. Sammy Smodix, I think if Ampadu and Kamara can can look after him enough, I think we can nullify their attacking threat. I think Ampadu and Gray are looking brilliant at the moment. So I'm going to back them and I'm going to say we'll win 2-0. Good prediction. Very good prediction. I'm tied at the minute on two and that is 2-1 and 3-1. Again, I think we'll score, but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I do think we'll concede, just given the defence that we've seen over the last few weeks. I just don't know how many we'll score, and this is a bit more of a lottery, as we've seen in recent weeks. I'll play it safe again, and I'll go 2-1. Okay. I really don't want it to be that. I prefer us to stuff a team, which I still think we're due, by the way. We are due at a six or a seven. I'm genuinely telling you. It'll come. But yeah, for now, I'm going to play it safe with 2-1. So, Bill's on 2-1. Ads is on 2-0. Fingers crossed we keep a clean sheet. It'd be nice. I yeah, we've got... Well, well overdue, so... Yeah, we've got a bit more time to prepare for this one as well. Obviously, the, the Rotherham game straight after... Um, Straight the international break, then midweek game, Swansea last week, and then a few days to prepare for the Middlesbrough game. So, hoping he's back, has got him playing in second defence, and he's saying, 
have to as, you, <laughs> as you said as well, the Rotherham game was annoying because it, it would have been another win. I mean, it's not have been seven wins from eight, but you come out of that international break. Yes, we did play on the Friday after the international break, but Rotherham, Swansea and Borough, two of those home games, you'd have liked nine points, but you'd have probably taken seven points out of nine in those three games as well. So, you know, no complaints there. And hopefully we can keep this brilliant run going that we're on, both in the league altogether and certainly at home. So Blackburn away, you've seen our score predictions and team predictions. Let us know if you know the last time a Leeds team started three games in a row, all 11 of those. And please get in touch with any questions that you want answering for next week as well. I've been Billy Lumsden. I've been Adam Jameson. And this has been the Damned United podcast. Adios.